Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. I would like to wish each and every one of you a very happy Thanksgiving. On today's Visitor's Edition for the eighth straight year, we are joined by Buckeye beat writer Tim May from the Columbus Dispatch. He'll join us in just a minute. First, my view from Section 17 to get us rolling, as always. The game is upon us. I know many of you have mixed emotions about this season and the game this Saturday. When practice got underway in August, expectations were high, and beating Florida in the opener sent them even higher. What's happened in the ensuing weeks can best be described as a roller coaster ride. Injuries, youth, and a host of other issues have made this a tougher-than-expected season for the faithful. And you can count Jim Harbaugh and his staff in that group. Still, we are 8-3 and three heading into Saturday. Most observers who know a lot more about this team than I do said before the season 9-3 and three would be very good and 8-4 and four would be a safe bet. So record-wise, we are about where many of us thought we'd be in this transition year. Yes, it has been ugly at times, but there have been moments when you could see certain phases of the game coming together, in particular for the offense. But it's been a bumpy ride, and we hope this year's on-the-job training will pay off next year. That said, it's not over yet. Ohio State rolls into the big house knowing they have a very good chance of winning the Big Ten Championship, and if they do that, a very good shot at the playoffs. They have to get by us first. We are double-digit underdogs to a very talented Ohio State team. I said earlier this week I could not see one scenario in which we could win this game. As is usually the case, the closer to game time I get, I change my mind. Right now, here's where I am. I know our defense can cause the Buckeyes problems. It's the offense that concerns me. Unless something changes in the next few days, John O'Korn's going to be under center. The offense will have to play better than it has all year and for four quarters against one of the best defenses in the country. Is this possible? In a rivalry game, anything is possible. In the last game of the regular season and against this team, the effort will be there. We must sustain that effort and will ourselves to victory. I am thinking now it is doable. I would like to see us get on the board first or at least early in the game and be in this thing entering the fourth quarter. 
If we are, the unthinkable could be possible. I have seen it happen so many times in this rivalry. Strange and unexpected things do happen, so don't give up, Maize and Blue Faithful. Tim May has officially been the Ohio State beat writer for the Columbus Dispatch since 1984. He covered them for years prior to that, but not as the featured writer. He too says, don't count Michigan out in this game. He is a firm believer that anything can and probably will happen on Saturday. He joins us next year on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Back with us this year on our visitor segment as we preview the game is Ohio State beat writer Tim May from the Columbus Dispatch. Great to have you back with us, Tim. Glad to be here. Well, Tim, as we prepare for the game, once again, there's much on the line, more so for the Buckeyes. You know, after the Iowa game two weeks ago, it looked like Ohio State was out of the playoff picture. But as we now know, that Hmm. is not the case. They have a very real chance if things go their way, if they take care of business, of being a two-loss team that gets into the playoffs, don't they? They have a chance, uh, once again, uh, on a second straight year to make history in the in the college football playoff rankings by being a uh, – last year it was a team that didn't win its uh, conference but got in. And uh, this year it could come in the back door again. But, you know, whether you come in the back door, side door, front door, if you're in, you're in. And, um, yeah, uh, as I keep explaining to people uh, – Chaos doesn't have to happen for Ohio State now to get in. Uh, what has to happen is Ohio State first has to take care of business and win out, and that's a tall order, starting with Michigan. But then uh, number two, Alabama has to win out, Miami has to win out, and I think Oklahoma has to win out. But mainly Alabama and Miami, if they win out, it looks like Ohio State has a great shot of getting in. But but uh, you know, the committee the thing is about it now is that's different from the old days, from the BCS old days is up to a committee vote you know and uh so we'll see where that goes but at least they're in the conversation because uh you know uh coming out of iowa a few weeks ago um you know uh, i think we were all guys who cover ohio state were looking for airline tickets to florida somewhere for the uh for the uh for the new year's holidays <laughs> <laughs> well you know when you look at this ohio state season as far as a wake-up call goes i'm not sure if iowa was a what you could call it a wake-up call, but whatever happened there, and well, we saw what happened there, the Buckeyes have been going full throttle since that game, Tim. They have, but, you know, that was wake-up call. That's a great, great way of putting it because that wasn't a wake-up call. That was a wake-up call with a trap door <laughs> below it, you know? And yeah. uh, and it, seriously, they got beat by 31 points by a team that they were tied with, 17-all late in the uh, – first half three minutes left in the first half and then that game just tilted and uh it was bizarre actually to watch to cover i'd never really covered ohio state for 30 34 years now i'd never i can't really that game has a niche of its own you know and always will and if they don't make the playoffs this year you know clearly that will be the reason why but uh but yeah i mean the last two weeks i mean 
here they were going against a Michigan State, a team that had just beaten Penn State in overtime, but had gotten a job done. Well, I don't know if that was overtime or not. I don't remember, but it was a hell of a game. And, and uh, you know, we all know how uh, Ohio State struggled to beat Penn State. And then Ohio State goes out. Michigan State's the number three team in the country against the run. And Ohio State, the one thing it didn't do at Iowa was run the ball with any consistency. And all Ohio State does is go out and run you know, run roughshod over Michigan State in its number three uh, run defense in the country and, and wins 48-3. to And, you know, as I've been telling people, the, the one burr, uh, one consistent burr under Urban Meyer saddle since he um, took over at Ohio State six years ago has been Michigan State at key moments. And instead, you know, they got a real propelling win out of that game, 48-3. to And it was just – just like the, the week before was stunning, that was stunning to me. And then they took care of business with uh, Illinois, you know, as expected, and which sets up now this, uh, uh, you know, what do you call it, stretch run? Uh, actually, it's the last, the last furlong really of a of a long of a a long season that could get them back to where they want to be. Well, the two losses that Ohio State has suffered, Iowa and Oklahoma, in those games, J.T. Barrett struggled. He had plenty of company uh, in the struggle, though. But other than those two games, Tim, it's been another record-setting year for J.T. and what's been an incredible career. Where does he rank among the great Buckeye quarterbacks that you've covered? I, I don't rank these guys one, two, three, because they're all playing. You know, Troy Smith played on a different kind of team with a different kind of approach. And Joe Germain, you know, the Joe Germain, Stanley Jackson conundrum there for two years before finally uh, Stanley Jackson graduated and Joe Germain became the quarterback uh, uh, of record for one year. And then Bobby Hoying was really good. You know, Art Schleister uh, right on down the line. I mean, they had some, they've had some really good Mike Tomzak. They've had some really good quarterbacks. With that said, uh, I, I tell people now, look at the record book. You know, really, what have you, what have you done over the long haul? What, 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 you know, when you've given, been given the opportunity, did you make the most of it? And for the most, for, for 95% of the, you know, time, I would, I would have to say that uh, JT Berry's made the most of it. He has almost every major quarterback record you could hold at Ohio State. He has several in the Big Ten. I mean, last week he moved over 12,000 yards total offense. I mean, he's got three games left, and he can he's only 500-and-something yards short of Drew Brees' Big Ten career record for total offense, and he's got at least three games left to catch that. you got to figure he's going to. He long ago became the all-time uh, touchdown pass leader in the Big Ten passing Drew Brees. You know, and he's produced uh, touchdowns. I mean, that's the bottom line, and for the most part, he's produced wins. But, yeah, he – he, like the rest of the Buckeyes, would like to have that game at Iowa back. That's for sure. Four interceptions after he'd gotten all that praise for having arguably his greatest game ever in college the week before against Penn State. Uh, you know, it's just he's just he's hard to put into a box or into a uh, bottle and say, OK, this is JT Barrett. Well, he's surrounded by so much talent on that offense, which looks right now, uh, if you look at the numbers or you watch them play the eye test, they look like a just a juggernaut right now. Is there anything, Tim, they are not doing well at this point? You know, uh, and, you know, you talk about the talent, but, but JT Bears is the magician, you know, he's the guy making it run. And, uh, uh, the juggler, I guess is more the, the, the term there. Although I've always thought juggling was a magic act, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, they, the, the thing is really, that really is interesting to me is like I brought up a minute ago, when push came to shove, they got back from Iowa, and they and the the, the Buckeyes determined that if they're going to get beat. They're going to get beat by somebody stopping them from running the ball. 
because when they get the running game going, it opens everything else up. Uh, pardon my uh, ending there with a preposition, but that's that, the, uh, the, the gospel. And uh, the passing game has been, has really come on this year. But now when you add in the threat of the run from two really stellar running backs and Mike Weber and freshman J.K. Dobbins, and then uh, J.T. Barrett also is as much a run threat as any of those guys. And then you add in some receivers who, whose confidence definitely has risen this year. That's the big difference between this time a year ago uh, and now is that, that they have uh, they have several receivers who uh, who J.T. Barrett is confident is going to get open and he can throw the ball to. And, you know, that sounds pretty elementary, but it's not always the case with offenses. And so, yeah, it's uh, – and, of course, it coincides with the fact they're going against the best defense in the Big Ten right now in Michigan. So – We'll see. How, we'll see how it all plays out. There are some really good defenses in the Big Ten this year. Again, Ohio State is one of those. That front seven, in particular, Tim, might be as good as any in college football right now. It's hard to say that and not remember the Iowa game when mm-hmm. Iowa, a team, Iowa ripped them up with a really nice balance of running and throwing, especially to the tight ends out of multiple tight end sets. And the reason I'm, I don't mean to get quote unquote technical, but. Uh, Many times it looked like Ohio State had never seen uh, what was coming at them and uh, could could not handle Iowa. And the reason I bring that up is because when I got back from got back walked in the house after covering the Ohio State uh, Michigan State game, the first thing my wife said to me she was she had been watching the Big Ten wrap up show was, uh, you know, Iowa only got six first downs at Wisconsin today. You know, the same <laughs> Iowa offense that had ripped Ohio State up and. Uh, but I think that was a wake-up call definitely for the defense at Iowa. So we'll see if that carries through because Michigan's a team that likes to jump in the I formation and kind of get you leaning one way and then try to hit you another way. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, when when this defensive front has you in what I'd call uh, predictable situations, uh, Nick Bosa, Sam Hubbard, Tyquan Lewis, Jalen Holmes, those are the defensive ends. I think there was, a, there was an actual play against Illinois last week where – those four guys and another and another defensive lineman were on the field, and I don't think there was a linebacker on the field for one of those plays, which is interesting. But uh, they when they when they play Sikkim, uh, they they do get after it big time. Fox has been running a really a great promo. I don't know if you've seen it uh, for this for this week's game. Really interesting. It says even though you won't mention the other team's name, you think about them all <laughs> the time because without them, you don't have the one thing you wait for all year: the game. As much as Ohio State fans don't like Michigan, secretly, do you think they would like to see us get the program back up to a level that makes the game like it used to be, if that's even possible? Like that's the question. What what did what did the series used to be? You know, because uh, like I, you know, I'm, I'm being facetious there, mm-hmm. but the you know the hundred yard war, whatever you want to call it, between Bo and Woody. I mean, you know, that was that was. Unbelievable, and at the end, as you know, uh, uh, the last three Ohio State teams under Woody Hayes didn't score a touchdown against Michigan. <laughs> and uh, uh, and then along comes Earl Bruce and kind of writes the ship as far as Ohio State fans are concerned for a little while. Then along comes John Cooper. And, you know, I've been covering Ohio State football full-time since 1984, and so I have covered the 2-10-1 era when uh, Ohio State couldn't beat Michigan on a consistent basis under John Cooper. And now the last uh, 16 games, Ohio State is 14-2 and two over Michigan. 
I think that's what makes rivalries enhances them or puts some not just salt but pepper on them, man. Uh, when when one team starts to starts to take the other team for granted, and then the table gets flipped, and we all know, you know, remember that time back in the nineties when there was some talk out of Michigan that the real rivalry was with Michigan State, not not Ohio State. Well, that's been flipped big time now, and uh, uh, I think the one sidedness of it adds to it. But but yeah, I mean it it's I mean even. Urban Meyer said this week, you know, uh, way back when it was a little two and the, you know, the, the, the big two and the little eight, you know, as, as the big 10 was called. And, and back in the seventies, uh, that, that was, that was for sure. But now, you know, as, as Michigan has found out this year, again, as Ohio State found out going to Iowa, uh, there are a lot of teams that can beat you now in the big 10, if you're not bringing your, your a game, so to speak. And, uh, so, uh, but with that said, this being the final game of the regular season, uh, usually with something up for grabs, uh, you know, I think what, what enhances it is one team maybe taking the other team for granted. I'm not sure Ohio State is doing that, but as we all know, Ohio State was favored going into last year's game, and that game went double overtime, and it took a it took a very favorable spot for Ohio State to keep the, the second overtime drive alive before Curtis Samuel uh, scored that winning touchdown and put Ohio State in the college football playoffs. You know, uh, I don't think the rivalry – is hurting at all, except uh, when you look at the one loss sheet over the last 16 games, Ohio State's 14-2. and two. But believe me, some of those have been hellacious games. Final question for you on that, Tim. So many times this game has lived up to its billing. Again, last year, as you just mentioned, most watched game in the regular season. Fans nationwide love this game for the intensity, the nail biters, the rivalry. Since you've been covering this game, and you said back in 1984, you came on full-time covering the Buckeyes, and this is a tough question. Can you pick a game or a moment in the game that stands out as something that for the ages you'll never forget? I can pick out two. Can I do that? Fire away. I asked Urban Meyer about this again this week. And, uh, you know, about 1987, he was a second year graduate assistant on that Ohio State staff. And on Monday, I'd gone, I mean, I'd gone up to cover, you know, we did Ohio State interviews on Sunday with the players. And then I went up on Monday, as I usually did, to cover the Bo Schimbecker press conference and uh, player interviews. I'd been there like uh, the year before, sitting about five feet from Jim Harbaugh when he guaranteed the win. <laughs> and he and I had a good laugh about that a couple of months later. And then, and then a couple of years ago we did. But but in 87, you know, I'm up there and I'm, we're, we had our own planes back then and I'm flying back. And that's when, when uh, Ohio State lowered the boom on on Earl Bruce and as Urban Meyer recalled, you know, they, they called the coaches into the Earl Bruce's office. Rick Bay did the athletic director and explained to them that Earl Bruce had been fired and that Rick Bay had in fact resigned. And what, what, uh, what made it funny, not necessarily funny, haha, but when I got home, this was pre-internet, pre-Twitter, mm-hmm. pre-cell phone, you know, really, um, I had, my wife had left me a note on the counter in our, in our kitchen that said, uh, Bruce fired, uh, Bay resigns, get on it. So I did, and uh, that was a week that never seemed to end. But my point is, you know, we all remember Ohio State came out with those headbands on and uh, mm-hmm. with Earl or Bruce on them and proceeded to upset Michigan in the big house. I'll never forget that game as long as I live. And then 2006, I mean, there have been a lot of great games. You know, 2001 when Ohio State, you know, did what uh, Jim Trussell predicted it would do. It made Ohio State fans proud of them again up in Ann Arbor after that big, long drought. Anyway, uh, the 2006 game of the century, Friday before the game, you get a phone call from somebody. I, I, I'm i hearing a rumor that uh, 
that Bo Schimbecker died this morning. I laughed. I go, are you kidding me? You know? And then you find out, you know, I'm talking with Angelique Shingelis, my friend up there and others. Absolutely. It had happened. You know, they were working on it just like everybody else. So suddenly all the build up to that game of the century, as it was called, you remember then. And then the uh, next thing you know, Bo Schimbeckler dies and it just enhanced it. And then it turned out to be one of the great games in the history of the game. Number one versus number two, it went down to the fourth quarter and Michigan wouldn't give up, but neither did Ohio state. And of course, Ohio state won that game and won its way into the BCS title game again. Uh, of course it got beat by Florida, but after the game of the century, you know, you, you were due for a letdown, but Talk about a game living up to the billing, man. Wow, that was unbelievable. There have been so many games that have lived up to the billing in this rivalry. And Saturday, we'll see what happens. Uh, No one knows quite what to expect, but it's the game. So we shall see Saturday at noon in the big house. Joining us again for the eighth year in a row has been Ohio State beat writer Tim May from the Columbus Dispatch. Thank you so much for carving out a bit of time for us, and we look forward to getting you back next year. Well, carving's what you do uh, on the Thanksgiving week, especially <laughs> on the, for that turkey, but I enjoyed it, my man, as usual. Thank you so much, Tim. Quick Hits is next as we wrap up this week's visitors segment here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, here is the latest injury news. Keep in mind we're recording this on Wednesday evening. There is no update on Brandon Peters or Wilton Spate. Michael Onueno is still not 100%, and we're not sure how much action he will see on Saturday. Lavert Hill has been cleared for action. Ty Isaac and Karan Higdon have been practicing, and while not at 100%, they will play. There are other players with bumps and bruises, but it's Ohio State, the last game of the year, and they will play. Here are some game day notes. Michigan leads the series with 58 wins against 49 losses, and there have been six ties. The first meeting between these two teams was on October 16, 1897, here in Ann Arbor, a 34 to nothing shutout win for Michigan. We all remember last year's game. We were one bad spot away from victory and fell in overtime down in Columbus. Urban Meyer is 70-8 and eight in his six years as head coach, 165-29 and 29 overall in 16 years as a head man. They finished last season 11-2, and two, making it to the playoffs and getting waxed by Clemson 31 to nothing in the Fiesta Bowl. They finished the year ranked number six in the polls. The weatherman says low 40s, partly cloudy and windy for Saturday's game. There is a 20% chance of rain, so stay tuned we know how these forecasts can change. Kickoff is scheduled for just after 12 noon. If there is one game people are in their seats early, this is it. So make every effort to get there earlier than usual so you can be in your seats when the seniors and their parents are introduced for the last time in front of the fans in the big house. Next week, we're going to be back on our regular schedule, which is one show a week. If time allows, I might have a Michigan man extra for you next week, We'll just have to wait and see. 
So on Tuesday, join me to take a look back at the results of Saturday's game and talk about what's next for Michigan football. Every year I say this, so I'll say it again this year. Even though the season is coming to an end, we aren't going away. In December, we will be here weekly, and there's going to be a lot to talk about. Along with football, we'll start catching up on hoops, both men and women's, hockey, and yes, even recruiting. Then after Christmas, we are weekly again from January through April, so don't go away. We're going to be here all winter. I don't know what's going to happen on Saturday. I am not very good at predictions. If you believe the Vegas guys and other experts, we don't have a prayer on Saturday. Maybe not, but I am not going to sell Jim Harbaugh, his staff, and these players short. It is the game. As Bobby Eufer used to say, you get 60 minutes of football and a lifetime to remember it. And believe me, you will remember it. I'm ready, and I hope you are. I'd like nothing better than to see a slam dunk the Buckeyes playoff hopes and send Urban back to Columbus frustrated and unhappy. It can happen. Keep the faith. Have a great Wolverine weekend, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until next week, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls, at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!